So welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. My name is Julie Faith Van Balzer, and I believe that curiosity is the key to creativity. Together with my super special co-host and my mom, Eileen Shue Balzer, we ask questions of each other and our guests while discussing learning, the creative career path, finding balance, looking at art, setting goals, and why being creative matters. So our goal is for this podcast to stimulate your imagination. Hi, mom. Hi, Julie. So we are doing things a little bit differently. People who are listening to the podcast on their usual podcast place like Spotify or Apple Podcasts probably won't notice anything, but we're actually streaming this live on YouTube and Facebook as a video podcast. How are you feeling about it being video? I feel like I've been captured. I feel like (laughs) a bug that's been put in a jar with a few holes punched in the top, but I'm desperate to get out. Well, <laughs> I'm glad. This is not what I signed up for. Well, I have to say back when, I think maybe in 2012, when I announced to you that we were doing a podcast and you were going to be the co-host, and I should say that I announced it, I didn't ask. I was like, we're doing a podcast and you're going to be my co-host. You were very, very nervous about it. That's right. And today is this repetition of the same thing. I. It takes a lot more getting ready. You know, you have to get dressed. Well, you don't have to. It could be a very exciting video podcast. No, I just, uh, I'm doing it, but I'm doing it under protest. (laughs) Well, I think the thing that's so great is, you know, you always, uh, or at least I always get told whenever I go somewhere, people are like, I love your podcast. Your mom is fantastic. So you always get all of the good credit, which you deserve because you have such wise words of wisdom. And I think the same is going to be true, whether it's video or audio show. Shall we get started? Why not? The sooner we start, the sooner it's over. (laughs) So listen, today we are talking about the 100-day project, and we're talking about why doing the 100-day project matters, what it's done for me personally as an artist, um, and some ideas on how to make it sort of a good experience for yourself. So mom, I know the 100-day project was kind of new to you at first. Um, so do you feel like you have a handle on essentially what it is? Can you define it for people? You do something, you set a challenge for yourself and for a hundred days, you try to do a little bit on it every day. And I would say, I have seen you do a bunch of these challenges. You did one thing where you did it like as long ago. Did you do a scrapbook page? every day for a year i did a scrapbook page every day for a month that was an older challenge i've done a lot of different daily challenges it wasn't a hundred day challenge but yes that was one of my first like daily am i insane challenges well and in fact what i think is a a flip through line is that in every case you have improved uh whatever it is you're doing but secondly i think there's a moment when you reach kind of the limits of what you you think you can do. And then if you push through it and a hundred days is a good time to push through it, then you suddenly make new discoveries. I mean, I think that's really, I was just reading an article yesterday about the fact that there is a biological basis for midlife crisis in your forties-ish and that even they find that perhaps even some animals go through it at sort of the halfway point of your life and i think there is a mid a midlife mid 100 day uh moment when you just feel like well i've explored everything and there's nothing left to do i've thought of everything and then you just have to sit down and do it and amazing it's something else. Well, I, think- I was going to say, like, I always, I always heard there was this thing about artists where they had a midlife crisis, which wasn't technically the thing where you like get a younger wife and drive a sports car, but oh, okay. it was, <laughs> uh, but instead what it was is that you either gave up doing art or you dramatically changed the kind of art that you made. And that's sort of the idea of that midlife crisis. I, I do think this, I give you credit for this because there it is, it turns sometimes what is supposed to be a pleasure into a drag, but you keep going through. I think that's important. 
It is, you know, I mean, so let's talk about sort of like a couple of the big things. So yes, a hundred day project is basically anytime you do a hundred days of something this year, I personally, this is my fourth time through the hundred day project, which as it turns out, by the way, 30 days, you think, oh, I've done a 30 day, you know, project. I can do a hundred days. No problem. No, a hundred days turns out to be a lot longer, which sounds stupid, but I mean, it, it really feels crazy and you do reach that really hard breaking point. But what I was going to say is one of the things that I did when I was really thinking about this and analyzing it was thinking about like, what are the different, um, you know, things and you've already talked about it, mom, which is the idea of pushing through, but giving yourself grace. Right. Um, and so I wanted to show a couple of the early pieces. And obviously there are, uh, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, opposed to watching the video, you can see these, um, in the post about it in the show notes. But early on, I think a lot of what I was doing was I'm trying to think how to put this uh, sort of like obvious choices. And like, I was really scrambling through lots of different styles. I, I couldn't sort of figure out what I was doing. I had this idea that I wanted to do botanical art, but I didn't really know what that meant. I hadn't really defined the parameters for myself. So I was sort of wandering through formats through sizes, through ideas. It was just so random is the best way I can put it. And so like every day when I sat down, it was a struggle. It was a pain in the butt. It was really sort of a horrible experience, but I just sort of kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And I started to find my way. And there are a couple things that really helped me to kind of find my way. And so what I thought we could talk about is, um, one, uh, well, before let's, let's backtrack for a second. I have like a hundred things I want to talk about. This is what happens to me all the time. And so my brain and my mouth refuse to coordinate because I'm so excited to talk about 100 things all at the same time. Um, so one pushing through, but giving yourself grace, let's talk about what that really means. So I think that I, so I, I, I just think, I think I talked about this in my boot camp class yesterday, which is, I read this great article that my friend Shiri sent me, which is about long feedback loops and short feedback loops. So the idea is short feedback loops are essentially, um, when you have instant gratification and it's like deeply satisfying to you. Right. And when you're a beginner and you've like never held a paintbrush, it's kind of why like a paint party night is deeply satisfying. And you think I can't paint that picture. And then at the end of the night, you have that picture and that's a short feedback loop. You immediately see improvement. You're really excited. It fills you right. Uh -huh. A long feedback loop is like, it could be months or years that you're looking at the improvement over. And the more you gain skills, the harder it is, right, to like sustain yourself through that long feedback loop. And I think that's kind of the midlife crisis thing that you were talking about, which is you want that short feedback loop, that quick gratification. You don't want to go through the slog of the middle in order to get that tiny bit of improvement that actually makes a huge difference, but it, it's not as big a step as never having painted to suddenly being able to paint. And so I think like the hundred day project for me is kind of a long feedback loop. If you're looking for the short, like gratification of each piece being great, it's a, it's not really going to work out. At least it doesn't for me, but sort of thinking of it as an overall climb. Because again, like there's nothing wrong with a lot of the work that I did, but it just isn't like great. I don't know how else to put it. There are moments, there are things, there are ideas, but a lot of times it's just like pushing, 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 you know, how can you find your way to something that might be a little bit more interesting, you know, and I think sort of that's the key. Um, and then giving yourself some grace. So I just want to talk about this for one second, because I think it's really, really important, which is, mom, you have, you have always been this way, and I appreciate that so much, which is you have to allow yourself to be willing to quit something. You have to allow yourself to like be kind to yourself, to talk to yourself in a way that's very nice. You know, I mean, from the day that I got married and my mother said to me right before, I will drive you out of here. We can leave right now if you don't want to go through with this. I think it's important to know. I, I probably should have done that. But anyway, uh, I think it's important to know that you can let yourself get out of it. And I think when I was really deep in the struggle with this project and I hated every moment of it, I told myself every day, I'm just going to try one more day. And if today doesn't go well, then I can quit tomorrow. 
I'm just going to just say that the way I learned this lesson, much less dramatic, is yes. I realized one day I don't have to read the newspaper from the front to the back, every single article, or I don't have to finish this book that I'm hating that is a chore to read. And that's, I freed myself from yeah. onerous uh, uh, responsibility that nobody had put on me except myself. Oh my God, the first time I put down a book and I didn't finish it, I was like, what? You don't have to finish books? It's It was amazing. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, um, we, so I was watching Minari, which is a great movie, tons of Oscar nominations, and I just had to quit it. I just had to quit it. It was making me feel depressed. It was making me feel super depressed. And I was like, I think this is a good movie. It's very well done. It's very well acted, but I have to quit. I cannot keep watching this movie. And I think that that is an important thing to be able to do in a lot of ways. But that's why it's not just like the the little thing I've put up on the screen here or the tip that I'm giving you is not like be a quitter. It's push through, but give yourself grace. See if you can make it one more day. And this is kind of like the exercise idea. You know, okay, can you do one more push up? Can you do five more minutes on the treadmill? Can you do like give yourself just a little bit of a push, but then let yourself quit so that you don't totally hate it and you're not completely beat up about it, you know? I tell you that also that short term versus long term reward. I mean, that's things to me like there are things that you can cook in the kitchen mm -hmm. that will come out and then you share it. Yeah. And then there are things like making wine or kombucha or whatever, which take a much longer timeline. And some people are up for that and some people are not. And mm -hmm. sometimes you are one person and sometimes the same person becomes another. So I just think there's not the expectation. Don't put the expectation on yourself that everything is going to turn out the way you expected. Be a wonderful experience. I mean, if you if you're not enjoying it, you can decide for yourself what to yeah. do about that. Yeah, and I think that's true. You know, uh, I think that's true about classes and stuff. I often give homework in classes, and people come to the next class and they apologize for not having done the homework. And my answer is always, you don't need to apologize to me for not doing your homework. I give you the homework because I think it's useful. But if your life gets in the way, like. You know what I mean? You're a grown up. Like you have the right to not do it. That's fine. It will change the way, you know, that your experience is with the second half of class, but that's not, you know what I mean? That's not a problem. And so I feel like we need to just uh, take the idea of that you can quit. Be a quitter, but push, but push, 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 push. Okay. So then the second thing that I wanted to say for me that I discovered through this that kind of blew my mind was how much format mattered. And what I mean by format is sort of originally, if I go back, I was, as I mentioned, I was wandering through, like I was doing, you know, tags and cutouts and journaling and square paper and rectangle paper and big journal and little things. And I was kind of all over the place, right? And then I decided when I was in my super quitting phase, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to commit to using this small journal that I made. I'm just going to commit to using this small journal that I made. And I'm going to see what happens because a journal format for me is very low stress. It's very low key. It's uh, not about like um, having a finished piece of work. And so for me, it allowed me to do some exploring. And this page is kind of the page that changed it all. Maybe this page was the precursor to it. But this spread is the page that turned it all that for me. I suddenly was like, oh my gosh, botanical art doesn't need to be a picture of a flower. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, like it was, and it's again, like sometimes things are so obvious, but they have to smack you in the face. I was like, oh my gosh, I can incorporate botanical elements without creating a picture of a vase and some flowers interesting. So then I started to kind of run with that idea. And, you know, I was exploring, is this botanical art? You know, there are some little botanical elements in parts of it. And so what ended up happening is 
the art changed enormously that I was making one, because I was working in a book, which gave me permission to be less good or do less good art because it felt like it could be casual. And that then led me to figure out that I could do things that weren't so like absolutely spot on in terms of being like, this is a piece of botanical art. Um, you know, and then I started to change, like, it doesn't have to be a flower. It could be a leaf. It could be a tree. It could be the texture of bark. It could be all kinds of things. And again, I, I opened myself to the possibilities. And I think that's also part of pushing through and why like working in a series works and all that kind of stuff, because you are, you have your original service idea and then you have to keep push, 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 beat, 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 smack it down until you get to something really more interesting. The real then format problem happened, which is when I left the journal, um, things kind of went a little sideways again because I was out of my comfort zone. And I went from things that felt sort of like very free and comfortable and free flowing into things that felt really like tight and constructed and placed because format matters. And I think people don't think about that when they make art, how much it matters. Like you say, okay, I'll, I wanna paint big. So I'm gonna buy a really expensive, huge canvas. And I'm gonna, that's gonna be my first big project I'm gonna do. No, don't do that. I mean, if you want to, great. But remember that if you've never painted big, sizing up is going to change how everything works. Work on paper, work on newsprint, work on, you know, all sorts of stuff until you figure out how that big format works. Then commit in with your more expensive supplies. Then make your masterpiece that you're going to hang in your living room. You know, I think like it took me quite a number of eight and a half by 11 pieces to kind and I had to jump back into my journal for a while because I was feeling I was getting the shakes I was kind of like mm, I really don't like what's happening here let me go back to a comfort place and then I sort of popped out and I was like okay let's try horizontal let's try vertical let's you know do all kinds of stuff until I was finally able to kind of find my way back into the things that had been interesting to me and I think really find a way of communicating um, you know the ideas about botanical art that I had been interested in the sort of the first time around and I could see that change happening and I think you can kind of see it in real time you know when you look at it but think about this this is over a month because a hundred day project is so long that like going from my journal to you know a point where I felt comfortable coming out of the journal was probably almost a month of time that I was like, what am I doing? Why doesn't this work? You know? So it was great to kind of finally find it. And that actually relates to my next point or the next tip I would give or the th takeaway or whatever you want to call it thing that I learned is that I really developed a system as I was working on this. I've always had kind of an art system for myself. Um, and I was able to really though define it through this process. And if I, you know, look through some of the work that I created, I can see it's very mechanical, the system sort of upfront. Like I can really see the wheels working on the construction of like, you know, these different sections being put together, different layers of collage being put together, different elements being put together. And then it slowly starts to smooth out into something that looks more organic and natural, less thought out more you know created more i don't know more painterly somehow something like that so so that was a really exciting thing and i know that mom you've always said something that i should just do a podcast called advice from my mother because really we could do like six years on it and it would be a good one um but one of the things that you've always said that i've always liked so much is you said you know if it's going to take less than five minutes to do it like do it now right now that doesn't sound like much of a system, <laughs> right? How is that a system? But what that is, it's the beginning of training yourself to be like, oh, when I'm done with something, I put it away. Or if there's a quick task and an empty moment, I do it now. And then suddenly you have this whole system in your life that works not just for like cleaning up and putting things away, but it also works for like, hey, I have five minutes, I'm on the phone call, or I just finished my Zoom thing and I have to go you know, do something else in like 10 minutes. What am I gonna do in this 10 minute pocket that I can just get done right now? So that you manage to see time 
that's sort of a system, right? You see time as something that you can embrace. And so I, I had this sort of art parts idea that I was able to finally formalize, which I now teach as a class, which you can take in June if you want. Um, and you can find all of that, by the way, at juliebalzer.com um, under my live online classes. But that whole system for me was really about how can I maximize my art making time? Because 100 days is a lot of days that you're just doing, doing, doing. And I wanted to be able to make these fast. And so I developed this whole system in which I could make like a little tag design in five or 10 minutes. And I could paint a background one layer in like, you know, five minutes. Then I could do another layer on it, you know, in another five minutes. And it sort of meant that like, I could create collage papers and then I could have be when I was finally ready to assemble my final finish, finished piece of art, it really was a lot more like assembling. So that I could sit down and be like, I have 15 minutes to make this piece of art and photograph it and post it to Instagram for today because today is a stressful day. And so that system really helped me to be able to do that. Do you, um, does that make sense, mom? It does. It's like preparing your chopped up vegetables in the refrigerator so you can pull together your meal. Does this mean that there, it takes you longer than five minutes to make your bed? <laughs> it means that I've decided that my bed is one of the things I can quit. I don't need to do that. I'm giving myself permission to not have to make the bed. Uh, so by the way, one of the things I do want to mention that's so great about being able to do the uh, podcast live is that we see lots of comments from lots of people who are chatting and talking. And I say hello to all of you, I especially. I want to thank Jana so much who just gave us a donation, which I really appreciate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Um, and lots of great comments from people. Here's somebody coming in from Puerto Rico and, you know, Washington state all over the place. And yes, there will be a replay in case you miss it. And of course you can listen to the podcast as well. So thanks so much guys. I'm enjoying seeing all your comments so much. Okay. So the next point I want to make is that there's nothing magic about a hundred. There's nothing magic about a hundred. And this gets back to the thing actually that mom, you said about that scrapbook page a day thing that I did that was 30 days. Yeah. You know, a daily project is awesome. A hundred day project is great. A 30 day project an every day for a year project is great. Those are all great things because when you commit to making daily art, it does change your life. And that's actually something I learned through art journal every day, which is something that I've been doing for almost 10 years. And I, I don't, I know the name sounds like I journal every day. I don't actually art journal every day. Uh, but that's the secret is out. Well, it's like not making my bed. You give yourself grace. I, I'm always impressed with people who are like, it has been four years and I haven't missed a single day. And I always think that's amazing. And I applaud you. I can't live my life like that. I absolutely want to make the commitment. And I would say I do it most days, but I kind of live by the 80-20 rule. It's like 80% of the time I'm on it, 20% of the time, you know, it didn't happen. And I'm not going to beat myself up about it. Because I think when you get in this kind of all or nothing mentality, what it's kind of like, I'm going to go on a diet. And if I'm not 100% perfect, then I'm off the diet and I'm into the nachos. And it's like, so, you know, so you ate some M&Ms and you had a big meal somewhere and you, you know, dove head first into some Oreos, you know, live, live your life. Then Define some, <laughs> well, as Steve said today, uh, when I accused him of eating the other half of the baby's English muffin, which the baby wasn't going to eat anyway, he said it fell into my mouth. So, you know, it, you know, it happens sometimes. So, but the whole point here is just that I, I, I think, you know, I the idea of doing something in a sustained way. And I do really believe that a series, which is the idea where you work on um, a single idea or a single plan for a long period of time, that's all the 100 day project is, is it's a series. And there are artists who usually when you see an exhibit, they're all themed around an idea. And you could see an exhibit of that artist's work two years later, and it's completely different work. And it's not because they transformed into a different human being, which they may have, but a lot of times they're exploring an idea during a period of time. So they may be very interested in exploring, you know, ideas of gentrification, or it may be a simpler thing like, 
you know, really getting into their uh, backyard and like all the bits and pieces from it, or, you know, the color palette, green, blue, orange, whatever it is that they're really hyper interested in. Um, but I think what they're doing is in a sustained way, again, pushing through the barriers, pushing through initial ideas, getting to the something where it's even deeper and even better. This is something we actually talked a lot about in boot camp yesterday is we talked a lot about just the idea that when you have your initial idea, it's probably not the best idea. And the really, really good stuff is sort of deeper, further in your brain, farther away from obvious. And it also is more uniquely you, probably, and not just something that's an influence from something you've seen. So that's why it's a great idea to often, you know, go ahead and get that deeper you know, thing to go after it. So remember, there's nothing magic about 100. If you do 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 100, 7,000 days, good for you. I think it's just important to get a regular project going, okay? Um, and then the other last point I just want to make of something that I really learned is that social media likes should be ignored. We all know this. We all know this, right? I mean, mom, you 100% know this and you're always saying it. It's true. I'm but a like, worker. I don't post almost yeah, ever. You don't. And I think my work got so much better as the project went on for the most part. Like things were more interesting and complicated. I really liked a lot of the compositions. I really felt like I was growing. I, you know, I really felt like I was changing the way that I was approaching some of these things. They were uh, interesting. And I can tell you, my legs fell off a cliff people who follow me don't like this work. And I was interested to see it. And I had to do something that I think is hard, but is important, which is I had to say, the only person who can define whether or not my work is good or bad has to be me. Because if I start relying on external forces like likes, what ends up happening is I can no longer tell in the studio by myself whether I like what I'm doing because I'm so focused on external ideas. And so I may also be changing and pulling away from where I, the kind of work I used to make. Somebody who likes my like super colorful, crazy work and my faces that I have done for years might look at the work I'm doing now and say, this is not for me, you know? And I will say like every single boot camp, I ask, um, I ask students to bring in like work they like and they don't like. And every single time Basquiat, uh, somebody brings him in sometimes more than one person as a don't like, and I love his work. And I think that, um, a lot of the things that define his work of uh, like aggressive mark making and a heavy use of black and things that are sort of almost ugly, but to the point where I think they become beautiful, like grotesquely beautiful. Um, I, I find myself gravitating towards that in some ways in my work. And that's a very, not for everyone kind of flavor. You know, and so I think like part of this project has also been about me being just reminded that I can be the decider of what I like and what I don't like. And I need to not listen to other people. I like all the patterns all the time. I believe that hot pink is a neutral. I think that all the pattern becomes almost like there's no pattern, right? So I think when you're starting to play with a lot of these ideas, it gets kind of complicated um, and you have to listen to yourself. So that's like the biggest, biggest takeaway for me is that I need to just listen to myself and like the things that I like and not be worried about sort of, you know, what anybody else is kind of interested in because it should be what I like. I can tell you that just even looking at the things you've shown in this mm -hmm. podcast, the color palette has changed a lot, and I happen to like this color palette. But there may be people who, whom, for whom this is just not their thing, and I get, yeah. I get that totally. They've come to you expecting one thing, and then they see this. But I love this color palette. The Thank you. Raise the unexpected combinations. Yeah, and I think that part of one of the things about changing and evolving as an artist is always going to be that you are changing and evolving. And some, you know, one of the things that they tell you in social media, like shoulds is like have a clear and distinctive, you know, single thing that you do that people know you for. And I think it's good advice in terms of like 
maybe people want to see you painting a bird every single day because they like birds and they like paintings of birds. And that's great. But like, I want to be, I don't want to be, I am an artist. And I don't, what I don't want to be is I don't want to be an artist who makes art for Instagram. I guess that's the way I'm sort of thinking about it. I want to be an artist who makes art that happens to be posted on Instagram. And you know, I think this is things. a common issue for artists in all kinds of fields. And I was just thinking, I don't know why I was thinking this, but I don't know if you remember when Taylor Swift first became a name, she was singing country songs, you know, and mm -hmm. she made a decision somewhere down the line that that wasn't she didn't want to just be a country singer. She wanted to be in other directions. And when she first started doing it, including her appearance, you know, her music, everything, a lot of people were very upset with her. And I think this happens with artists who are endlessly creative. I think uh, one of the reasons that some artists last a long time is that they do regenerate and re invent themselves in new ways and you keep feeling oh there's something new here it's not just the same old song and i think this happens in a lot of ways there's a restaurant in new york which is very famous and um has reconfigured itself during the pandemic and now they're reopening as a vegan restaurant but still oh, yeah, i read about that high level you know a Michelin star restaurant, but he sees that there are new worlds to conquer. And I just think that if you are going through this creative change, there will be people who won't like it, but that's not the point. I agree. And you know, Kat in the comments um, said, one of the things I love about your work is that there's a huge difference in your skills and style from your older classes, meaning like 2012, 2013 till now. And she says she loves it because it gives me a lot of hope for my own style. And I think that's, that's so great to hear. Thank you for that. Because I think it is important. And that's a long feedback loop to say that, like, if you are diligent and you work hard, you can change you can evolve but it is really about the work and this totally goes about okay so the same person who wrote the article about long feedback loops and short feedback loops she wrote another article that also blew my mind i'm kind of obsessed with her now um that i've talked i think uh also i think i also talked to in boot camp about because it's i can't let go of it i've read it like four days ago and i just keep i think i've actually read it like three or four times since then but um it was about effort and she says that she loves it when she sees people who put in effort. Like when she's going through her social media feed and there's somebody who like did their hair and their makeup and their clothes and cleaned their house and staged a photo and got the baby just right. She's like, that is effort. That is hard. That didn't just happen. And she loves seeing the effort. And I'm so reminded that like so often we see people improve or change or create great things and we don't see the effort. You see these fast forward videos where it just looks like droop, 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 droop. this was so easy. You don't see the hours of sitting there going, Ooh. Is that right? Is that not right? Should I change this? You don't see the one that turned out terrible because they don't want to show it to you. So we lose the idea of effort and we think that things should be effortless, but they shouldn't be. Things should be effortful. Getting a great body, that's hard work. Those people who do that, who look like that, that is serious work. I mean, I know people give a lot of flack to the Kardashians for their whole thing. I was just thinking of them. They work hard. I would never in a million years want to work as hard as they work to put myself together, to do that kind of exercise, to think about what I'm eating, my weight, my clothes. Like, oh my God, I, I can't imagine. That and would be a building nightmare. Building businesses, building a brand. I mean, I think that is a lot harder than people Think. they think you just sort of showed up and there you are no yeah that easy there'd be a million more people exactly i think it's really hard and so i think like whenever you see somebody who's really good at whatever they're doing they may have innate talent but i really truly believe that work in the end is more important than talent that if you have talent and you don't work you won't actually get anywhere and if you you know don't have a lot of talent, but you work super hard, you can 
really get somewhere. And I think that that's really important to remember. And also to remember that art and drawing and painting or ceramics or any of these stuff, these are skills that you can gain, you know, you can learn, you can, and that, you know, if you're sort of guided by curiosity, you will constantly be finding yourself encountering new ideas and all sorts of new things. Um, you know, and this is a great comment from Spirit Junkie where she says there's a perspective that time and practice gives that is only appreciated in time. And I think that's true. One of the biggest things that I've taken away as I've gotten, as I've become an older artist, a mature, uh, is, a more mature, mature artist, uh, is that time is such a huge part of my process. I can, and this is part of the reason the whole art parts idea came about. I can not really create something from start to finish in one sitting anymore that I'm truly satisfied with. <clears throat> I almost always have to have some kind of marination or there are processes that I like that take too long. So art parts kind of solve that for me because I make all these little parts in different, and then they just sort of come together they, they into a melange you know, that works out really well for me. And that's how I'm sort of using time. Um, and by the way, Kat also followed up asking about the article that I've read and I will link it in the show notes. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I'll be sure to put that up as well, just so that you know. Um, okay, I wanna go through some tips. I have, I think, five tips for you guys that I think will be helpful if you're interested in doing a 100-day project of your own. And I think that even though the 100-day project for 2021 is like officially over, you can start a 100-day project anytime you want. Like you don't need that in order to define when your 100 days are, okay? Well, the other so, thing is don't yeah. think that you have to know everything you're going to start, you know, all your materials and all this stuff. Now, you can sit down and do something today, and then meanwhile, you can think about it, and you can change it mm -hmm. several times. I mean, I just think people are are sometimes stopped because they think they have to know everything from the beginning. And if you know everything, why are you even bothering? Yeah. As they say, uh, okay, so this is stupid again, but I love it so much, which I don't know why I define everything as stupid. That's a tick in me that I need to stop saying it. But let's just say I, in the movie uh, Avatar, unhelpful. unhelpful, unhelpful. There has been a metaphor that I've always loved, which is he talks about saying that like uh, they, the Navi say that like, it's very hard to educate, you know, people because they come with a full cup and you can't fill a full cup. And he says, well, my cup is empty. And I wrote an article years and years and years ago for Cloth Paper Scissors magazine about taking classes. That was about the idea that you always have to approach taking classes with an empty cup. If you walk into class like, I know so much and I'm not going to get anything out of this and blah, blah, blah. Or if you come in sort of with defenses, it's very hard because nothing can go in your cup. But if you show up with an empty cup and say, fill my cup, then a good and generous teacher will pour lots and lots in there and you get to take home, you know, plenty of inspiration and ideas. So you always, always it's interesting. That. Why don't you say it again about when you take a class, even if you don't like the class, you can always find something to get out of it. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's so, okay. When I was little and my mother would force us to go to museums, which was really, really boring and I absolutely hated, my brother and I made a game where we would go through the galleries and try to find the ugliest thing. And it would be a contest to see who could find something uglier. And in a weird way, I now sort of have connected that that actually is related to the idea of if you take a class, you know, can you take one good idea away from that class? Can you take two, you know, things away from that class somehow? It's the same idea as can you go into a gallery or a boring event and find like the ugliest thing? But that means that you're looking at things. Right. It means that you're comparing. It means that you're making choices. It means that you're defining ugly. And so I think that again, I always try to go after class, I always write down in my bujo which is never far away from me, my bullet journal, very important, very vital part of my life. But I always write down like two or three things that I'm taking away. It could be a technique, but it could also be like a quote that somebody said. It could be a supply back in the day, uh, days of, you know, real life classes where someone sitting next to me was using an art supply. And I was like, what is that? Um, or, you know, it could be anything. It could be a feeling. It could be a way that the teacher addressed the class that I thought was really nice. It could be something that happened that I definitely never want to have happen again. 
you know, and I think like that way I have then distilled out of this experience some takeaways. And I think takeaways are really important because I think you can't learn. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. You can learn by not thinking about it much. It just maybe sort of happens to you. But I think you learn more and you learn more purposefully if you force yourself to go through takeaways. Um, and that's kind of, I think, so let me just go through some of my tips for if you want to do a 100-day project, things that I would recommend. Because um, I think this sort of, we're getting into there a little bit. So if you pick a topic that's clearly defined. And what I mean by that is, so I have a coaching client who picked uh, a, the topic of, um, she was just going to use two colors to do abstracts. So that's very defined, right? You're going to use only two colors of paint and you're going to create abstracts. I don't have to think when I sit down at my table, what I'm going to do. That's the very defined. You know, when I said I was going to do uh, art botanical, that was a little bit big. But as soon as I got in my brain, which wasn't in my title, okay, I'm doing mixed media collage botanicals, that narrowed it down a little bit and sort of helped me out. I know when I did one of my 100-day projects, the first one I did was 100 days of 15-minute faces. That was that's narrow. You got, you put on the timer and you make a face. That's, that's it. Go, you know, so you don't have to think too hard about what it is that you're doing. So I, I really think that a clearly defined topic makes it a lot easier. Um, the next thing that I would say is this is going to be a little bit odd. Some people think that the hundred day project should be their chance to tackle something totally new. I've never done stamp carving. So I'm going to carve a stamp every day for a hundred days. Um, you will get better at it. So that's great. But the problem is you'll also get probably frustrated. You'll probably also hit some walls. You'll probably also maybe discover you don't like it that much. You'll probably also, you know what I mean? So you should pick a topic that you're not an expert in, but maybe you feel comfortable, but you'd like to make some more improvement in. And, and again, these are not rules like that came from on high. These are just guidelines for me, having been through it four times and having, you know, taught and coached a lot of people, things that I think have been useful to them that I hope are useful to you. Um, so for instance, if you have like done a couple landscapes and you know you like landscapes and you really want to get better at them, you know, 100 days of doing landscapes might really help you. If you've never painted a landscape but they seem interesting, probably not the right topic for a 100-day project, okay? So something you feel comfortable but you want to make some improvement. The next tip I'd say is having a space and or a kit can be enormously helpful. And this is because when you have to do it every day, and you're not going to spend three hours a day on it. I mean, God bless you if you are, but I, I am not going to spend three hours a day on it, right? I need it to be quick. So it's really nice if you have a designated space where you can just like, your stuff is there, you sit down, bada boom, bada bing, it's done. And or if you don't have a space, can you get it? Can you have a kit? It's in a tote bag. It's on a baking sheet that you shove under your bed. It's, you know what I mean? Like, can you find a way to make it so that the setting up and cleaning up is not part of the process? Because honestly, setup and cleanup take up so much ridiculous amounts of time. This is why I don't clean my stencils. I don't clean my stamps. Unless it's going to ruin the, the supply, I don't clean it. And often I have let it ruin the supply. And then I figured out how to rescue it. The answer is almost always Murphy's oil soap. Uh, so then the next tip that I'm going to give you is plan ahead for the unexpected. Whatever your life is, you're probably going to get sick or someone in your family is going to get sick or you'll have a job related thing that's an emergency or a child does something that cannot be expected or you end up staying up all night for some reason or the day goes sideways and you don't get a chance to do it. So what are you going to do on that day that you can't do it? And this is really a mental thing as much as anything. And what I mean by that is, are you the kind of person who, if you miss that day, it's over. It's done. The project's over. It's ruined. Or do you feel like you could just say, I'm going to skip that day? Or do you feel like you're going to say, I'll do two the next day to make up for it? Or do you feel like you just want to do something crappy just to have it done and marked as opposed to trying to make something good? You know, you have to figure out if you know ahead of time what your plan is for a day where it doesn't go as expected then you're fine because you've already thought about it and you're like, you know what, today's not going fine, I'm just gonna do two tomorrow or today's not going well, I'm just gonna skip it and you know, who cares? 
whatever it is, just know what you're going to do. And then define goals for yourself. This goes back to my whole idea of purposeful learning and like take, doing takeaways. I think the more that you can really define for yourself what it is that you want to accomplish, then you're more likely to accomplish that. And it's not just like, I want to get better. Well, honey, we all want to get better. Like, what do you want to get better at? Do you want to get better at realistic drawing? Do you want to get better at, you know, communicating a feeling? Do you want to get better at the way you use color? Do you want to get better at using more tools? Do you want to get better at doing things daily? Like you could have any goal on earth you want, but you need to sort of have that goal. That said, and this goes ahead with the pushing through and being kind to yourself, which we talked about originally, you need to revisit that goal. I'm going to say three times in 100 days, kind of divides it up really nicely, sort of first, third, second, third, and and then at the end. And you need to refine your goals as necessary. So it may mean that you started out like, so for instance, I'll just talk about me. When I started my 100-day project by the 100 Days of Art Botanical, my goal was to figure out what my style of botanical art was. That was the goal. What is what is Julie style botanical art? What does that mean? Because everybody does flowers, right? And then about a third of the way through, I was like, I don't even think that's what I'm after. I think what I'm after now, if I can redefine that goal, is what is botanical art? Well, that's like a big meta meta question. So then I'm, you know, trying to answer what is botanical art. So then I was like, okay, this is a disaster. So then I think what I was trying to define for myself or the goal that I was going after is, can I create compositions that are both structured and yet feel open to flow. I could never have come up with that goal on day one. I wouldn't have even been able to think of it as a concept. It wasn't until I had struggled through it that I was able to say, oh, this is kind of where my goal is. And now here at the end you know, of this whole thing, I think the real question that I've been struggling with now is can I size up? Can I make them great, big, huge pieces? And so I've started to do some of that exploring myself to see what that is. Um, But I think like that's where I'm really interested in right now. And that's why I think it's important to keep refining your goals as you go. You're not moving the, um, you know, goal as you go, meaning like past, you know, reaching your goal and then being like, no, stupid, that goal was too close. Move it further. That's not what you're doing. What I think you're doing is you're saying, what am I actually really interested in now? And how, you know, what am I really interested in getting better at right now? Where where do I feel like I, I want, what is the shiny ball? I think I say that all the time. What is the shiny ball that I'm interested in pursuing? Does that what make sense, Mom? problem I would like to solve for myself? Yes. Yes. That is the perfect way of putting it. What is the problem that I want to solve for myself? I think that's really important. Okay, so that's kind of all my advice. Do you have other stuff that you would like to add? No, but I mean, I would say uh, in a way, it's sort of like raising a child. You know, things change. You redefine your goals. You change your methods. You realize that you could do this better or you can stop doing that. Some days you're a better parent than you are other days. I mean, I think you get better at it if you keep working on it, but you think about it. There are times when it's automatic, but there are times when you realize, I need to think about this and Mm -hmm. devise a way to address this problem that has come up or this issue that is uh, concerning me. And so I think that is not dissimilar from uh, what you're describing in the 100 days. And I, I think it's really important, the thing you said about don't think that the hundred days is has any meaning other than it's an artificial construct that you've put together it it's whatever works for you you may spend the rest of your life doing earth botanical or you may have decided that it's not that interesting for you at this time that's fine 
Yeah. And I also think, you know, one of the things that's really important is to just remember that you are the only person who can define your goals. Yes. And that relates again to the social media thing, which is other people may say to you, oh, you need to work on this, or I think that this would be more important, or I like this about it, you know? And what you need to do is say like, this is what I right now feel like is something I want to work on. Okay. So there have been a couple really great comments. I mean, there've been a ton of really great comments, but what I can see right now while I'm trying to talk at the same time, Holly says that she can relate to always reaching for more and new areas. I, I totally think that that's important to always do to push yourself. Um, Yvonne says that she always appreciates the reminders not to compare. We quickly forget, but it's good to hear as they say, comparison is the thief of joy. And I think it is so very, very true. Um, Charlotte says it's so inspirational to learn about your art and practice. I often waste so much time trying to create a finished piece that I don't play an experiment and I'll try to be more playful. Yes, Charlotte. Yes. Play, play, play. I think that's the key to so many things. Um, and I'm so glad spirit junkie says that she's already gotten several gems from today. So a couple quick things before we wrap up, which is if you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook, you can see that I'm just showing a quick video that I did that is showing, um, I made a book. I made a book. It's on Amazon that has everything for my 100-day project. And you can use the pages in the book to cut up for collage fodder, or you can frame the pictures right out of the book like prints, sort of however you want to do it. Um, it's totally up to you, but it's a fun little thing to have to flip through. It has the story of sort of how these pieces evolved and how my 100-day project evolved and all that kind of stuff. Um, and a couple other quick notes which are, uh, of course, if you want to um, find me, you can find me at juliebalzer.com or on Instagram as Balzer Designs. Um, if you'd like to take a class from me or if you would like to um, sign up for any private coaching, I'd love to hear from you. You can also sign up for the um, Friday newsletter, which is your inbox every Friday. Uh, it always has all the latest news on classes, upcoming events, all that kind of stuff. Uh, our classes are all at balzerdesigns.com. And if you'd like to help the show, you can leave a review. You can mention us on social media. You can tell a friend. If you liked this format of the video podcast, do let us know so that we know whether you're interested in seeing more of this. We would appreciate it. Mom, say I'm so glad. No. Say no. <laughs> I'm so glad they do this. Uh, I should tell you, we have got a great comment um, just because I know you're shy about being on camera here. I remember seeing it earlier. Let's see if I can find it again. There you go. Lysandra says, Julie, your mom is so beautiful. And you are. See, there you go. So there you go. It's all worth it. Uh, anyway, uh, we will see you the next time. Thank you for being here. Thank you for all your comments. It's super fun for me to actually have comments during the show. Uh, I love this comment that just came in from Sue who says, after listening to this, I'm finally interested in trying a hundred day project. I hadn't thought it was for me, but you made it seem possible and fun. And Sue, yes, it is. It really is. You just have to define it for yourself. You know what I mean? So good. I'm glad you guys enjoy it. And I will see you the next time. We'll both see you the next time on the adventure. Maybe. In <laughs> I may go into the witness protection program. We'll see. Thank you. No, no. We'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. Thank you. Thank you.